Do you think you're a rock star in the bedroom? Well, maybe you are. But in today's video, I'm going to be revealing to you five common complaints that women often have about their partners that you too may be guilty of. Let's check them out. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles podcast. Number one is hyperfixation on the woman's orgasm. Now, unlike in previous generations when often men didn't know or didn't care or didn't even believe that female orgasm existed, these days, most men do care about their woman's pleasure and do want to make her come. So this is coming from a good place, but there is a misunderstanding about how much pleasure or how much intensity or sensation is necessary and needed by the woman. And a common issue that comes up is when a man figures out how to push the right buttons on his partner and he gets the reaction, which is the girl having an orgasm or squirting, which is gratifying and interesting to watch then the man may make the mistake of thinking, well, I better just keep on pressing that button. So I've talked to many women about this, and it's, it is indeed a common complaint that the guy figures out how to go down on her, how to finger her, how to please her in some kind of way, and then he thinks that more is necessarily better. So just because a woman can have multiple orgasms, you know, she can have three, four, five, or more orgasms in a row, doesn't necessarily mean that you should do that. In general, yeah, it's a good idea to make the woman come early in the sexual experience, but you don't have to be fixated on it happening every time before you penetrate. Because what this does is it puts an undue expectation on the woman. For a woman to orgasm, she needs to be relaxed, she needs to get out of her head, into her body, to be fully immersed and to be able to enjoy the full body sensation that she's getting into. If she has it in the back or the forefront of her mind that her partner is obviously working for a specific outcome, then this puts a lot of pressure on her that she needs to come not for her own pleasure, but basically for her partner's ego. And if she knows that the man, you know, gets a lot out of her orgasming and he puts a lot of pride on his ability to do this, then she may find herself in a situation where it's easier to just kind of fake it and so that the man feels good so she can move on from this uh, overstimulating sensation and hopefully move on to something else. So understand that, yes, it's good to figure out your woman, to know what her arousal responses are, to know how to make her have a clitoral orgasm, a G-spot orgasm, a deep vaginal orgasm, and so on. But once you've found that, don't just keep pressing the button because it's exhausting and overstimulating, and it can lead to a complex in the woman's mind where she actually doesn't want to orgasm or she feels the need to fake it because she can't just relax and immerse herself in her own pleasure. Number two is being a silent ninja assassin in the bedroom. So what I mean by that is being completely silent. Now I know for myself when I first became sexually active back in the day, I'd seen pornography like everyone else and it was my opinion that the guys in these movies were cheesy and lame. And this constant running commentary, oh yeah, it's in your ass, I'm gonna fuck you, you my little fuck toy, constantly talking and babbling and moaning and sighing uh, in an exaggerated way, to me sounded really weird and awkward and unrealistic. So I made a um, commitment to not be like that. And as a result, I was stoic and silent whilst having sex. This is not a good thing. Think about it in the reverse. If you're with, maybe you've had this experience. If you're with a partner who is completely silent, you know, you're like, hello, is anyone there? Are you alive? That's not a very erotic prospect. You want a woman to express and vocalize and to make sighs and moans and say, fuck yes, daddy, and all that kind of sexy stuff. So does she. 
Women want to be able to not only feel, but hear and experience your pleasure, your arousal, and most importantly, your animalistic beast, right? The man that is completely constrained, that is rigid, that is too disciplined, is not fun to fuck. This is a man who can't really express himself, who can't really let go. And so it means that in reciprocation, she's not really able to let go as well because we can create negative or positive feedback loops when it comes to arousal in the bedroom. If I'm completely silent, if I'm completely constrained, restricted, way too disciplined and controlled, then that means that it doesn't really allow her to unleash her wildness, to you know let out her craziest, sluttiest, sexiest self, because she's going to be doing that in relation to what she's experiencing from the man. Whereas if we wanna create a positive feedback loop, being able to take a big breath and sigh, to be able to use words of affirmation, to be able to say, yes, fuck yes, that's the spot. You look so fucking hot when you do X, right? This, these verbalized expressions, whether they're with words or they're with sounds, then encourages her and gives her permission to do the same, right? She feels, hears, sees the unleashed wild beast man, then she gets to let go and become her crazy, wild, sluttiest self as well. So take that one on board. If you find yourself being completely stoic, solid, strict in the bedroom, learn to let go. And it starts with simply taking a big breath in and sighing. Number three, talking about sex during the first date. Now, this is one that I think is the pickup industry's fault. Various coaches along the way have express that you need to talk about sexy topics during the seduction in order to turn the woman on, to arouse her. Usually this is a very bad idea. Like there is, there are good ways and there are bad ways to talk about the general topics of sex, but commonly what men do is they talk about their sexual experiences or about the woman's sexual experiences. So you asking her any questions about her former partners, what it is she likes in bed, you know, what kinks and fantasies that she has, or you doing the same, you know, you bragging about how much of a sex god you were with your previous partners and about the things that you like doing in bed and the fantasies that you want to try and so on. Almost always this is a bad idea because it's not flirting, right? It's being bluntly, stupidly direct and it's misunderstanding female sexual psychology. We, we would probably like, you know, if a woman said to us, so what do you like in bed? And uh, what do you want to try with me? And uh, what kind of blowjobs do you like? And so on. Okay, these might be questions and topics that a man might be interested in talking about. But when we flip it over and we talk to a woman like this, we're taking out all the sexual tension, right? Because we're overtly stating, this is sex. We're talking about sex. We're talking about my sex, your sex, you know, very specific, real things then it takes the mystery and the magic out of it. And it very often comes across as miscalibrated, rude, and vulgar. So there are ways that you can talk about sexual topics within dates that can work. So if I'm going to bring those up in conversation on a date, then it will be more about vaguer discussions of things such as losing control, All right? So for example, we might be in a conversation and I'm talking to her about her work and she's the manager at the place that she works. And I'm asking her, you know, are you a good boss? And how do you discipline people? And do people try and kiss up to you? Right, so I'm talking about her position as the, the leader in this workplace, for example. And then I might swing it and say, do you find that having all of this responsibility over people all the time 
gets too much and that sometimes you just want to lose control and give it to somebody else, right? So you can see where I'm going with this, right? I'm switching from a kind of general topic and I'm seeing a little angle where maybe I could start talking about or hint at her sexual life, right? Because this is a common pattern that comes up where someone has a lot of responsibility and has to do a lot of serious things in their life. And then when they get in the bedroom, particularly for women, they want to let go. They want to hand over responsibility. They want to get out of their head. They don't want to have to do the thinking and the planning and the executing. They want to just enjoy being led through an amazing experience. So when I have a little flirtatious discussion like this, where we're talking about control in general, and then I talk about losing control without saying, so what you're trying to say, so let me guess. When you're not being the boss at work, you like to be tied up and spanked, right? Okay, that is not flirtation. That's just bluntly, brutally saying the thing. But where, whereas when you phrase it like I just said, then there's, then there's a hint behind there. She could, and she can play do with that as she, as she wishes. If she wants to play and flirt back, she could say something like, yeah, it depends on who's in control, right? Or if she notes my little flirtatious attempt and decides she doesn't want to go into that sexy topic, she could say, oh, no, you know, I find that I'm mostly in control in all areas of my life and kind of just brush it aside. No harm done. She didn't take the bait for the flirt. I made my attempt. There could have been a sexy moment. She decides to deflect it or she decides to yes and in improvisation, you know, to encourage me. And now we're having a bit of a flirt, but I'm still not going to then jump on it and go, oh, okay, cool. So what you're saying, you just told me you like losing control. So I can control you right now if you like. No, instead I'd say, okay, cool. Look forward to finding out more about that later dot, dot, dot is the implication. That's the correct type of way to talk about sex. Or maybe we're talking about, I watched, I, I read Fifty Shades of Grey. Did you read it? Yeah, cool. What did you think about it? I went and did this tantra course uh, on the weekend and it was really interesting because I learned about XYZ. Have you heard about this? Okay, sure. If we're talking about kind of global topics or, or sex as separated third person topics, then yeah, I could bring those things up maybe in conversation, see if she's interested in them. We can discuss them kind of in an academic kind of way. And then, uh, and then same kind of thing, have a little dot, dot, dot. Okay, sounds like we've got some of the same interests. Let's explore that again later, dot, dot, dot. Cool, that might be an okay way to discuss sex. But understand that the misconception here is that I need to say words about sex in order for her to think about sex, in order for that to then activate her mind and emotions and body and turn her on. No, the things that are really going to turn her on in a date is the way that you look at her, the way that you briefly touch her, right? The way that you ask questions and listen and hold space for her, the way that you sometimes challenge her and disagree and show that you have standards, boundaries, and that you're not just going to accept anything, any low level of investment that she may give you, that you're a man with standards, that you are leading the interaction somewhere, right? That you led her to the venue, you sat her down. When you decide it's time to leave, you're the one that makes the request for us to go somewhere, to try and take her to the seduction location, to escalate smoothly on her and so on. These are the actions that start to really excite her, create anticipation and want make her ideally want to follow you all the way to the bedroom. So keep that one in mind. Don't talk about sex until after you've had it. Number four is being either too soft or too rough. So most men would exist on one or either of these sides. I've talked to hundreds of women, both in formal interviews and lots of informal discussions with them about their sex lives over the last 20 years. And this is a common complaint that for some guys, they seem unable to or can't give themselves permission to or don't know why you should add 
intensity, dominance, some level of roughness, sometimes some level of impact or striking play into your sex life. And I've talked to a number of women who explain situations where they had a boyfriend who they found attractive, they loved, they respected, they liked him in all sorts of ways, but he just wouldn't spank them, right? Or he wouldn't grab them by the hair, or he wouldn't throw them around, or he wouldn't fuck them hard, or he wouldn't use naughty, nasty words in the play. And that was something that she as an individual really, really wanted. And I've talked to women who even, even tried to explain this to their partners. One in particular who said something along the lines of, I need you to spank me. It's not abuse. You're not hurting me. It just really turns me on and it's something that I need to experience. And at that time, this guy was incapable of it because in his mind, slapping a girl on the butt was abusive. And because he considered himself to be a good person, a nice guy in the, in the proper sense of the word, he didn't want to cause his partner any harm. And he was unwilling to take this jump of empathy to understand what it was like from her side. Because for him, he doesn't want to be spanked on the butt and choked. And for, if someone did that to him, he might perceive that as being abusive. And so he's solipsistically interpreting that what his experience would be would be the experience of the other, when that's just not the fact of the matter. Men and women, to a greater degree, are wired differently sexually. Women in general, not every woman all the time, but women in general do like a man who takes control, who is dominant, who's able to take them through spicy, intense types of experiences and sensations. And if you're only the very soft, very sensual, loving, vanilla kind of guy in bed, then you may well find yourself in situations where you're with partners where that's not enough. You're not stimulating her through her full spectrum of her desires and her fantasies. And as a result, she gets bored and leaves you. And I've seen many examples of that where women were not sexually satisfied in one way or another. And although in many other metrics, the man was an excellent partner, she had to make the decision to go elsewhere to get her needs met. On the flip side of that, we have the guy that is too pushy and too rough all the time, right? So this is the guy that has heard about or learned that, okay, women like to be dominated, full stop. And so they interpret that as the most extreme versions of that. So, you know, you might look on, on the internet, look at some BDSM porn, for example, and you've got this extremely extreme situation in a dungeon with the leather and the chains and the girl being, you know, whipped with a heavy whip until there's, you know, basically breaking the skin, uh, using huge amounts of force with, without any respite, without any care, lots of abusive words, yanking and throwing the woman around all the time. This is also not good, right? Because this, a guy who does this is a very uneducated and unskilled dominant. The, the using, only using harsh power and force and aggressiveness is nowhere near the full spectrum of what most women want. Yes, women do like, in general, to be spanked, to be choked, to have their hair pulled, to have a man uh, assertively move her body around, you know, throw her on the bed or draw her swiftly into him. You know, there's lots of moments where having controlled assertiveness and aggression will be really, really sexy and powerful. But if it's done in a way that is just rough, right, where I'm not calibrated, where I'm like gripping in and bruising the skin, where I'm not allowing her time to catch up, Right, so if you know I yank around, throw on the bed, jump on top of her, quickly stick my cock in, fuck her really hard, call her a bunch of nasty names. It's just pressure, 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 intensity, intensity, intensity the whole time. And that doesn't make for good sex. Good sex is like, let's say, a classical movement, a classical music piece that has different movements, that moves from soft and slow and intimate, 
builds up some kind of intensity. Maybe it, maybe it does move into quite harsh actions, right? Maybe at some points you are spanking her really hard and uh, giving her clear commands and being a bit of an authoritarian. But on the other side of that, I need to release the pressure and give her rewards, right? So I might be really aggressively throat fucking her for some time, for example, which would be a really powerfully erotic moment for both partners in the right context. But then at some point, you know, if I just keep jamming her head down on my, on my dick for 10 minutes until she throws up, very few women will consider that to be a, an awesome sexual experience. Whereas if I take her, you know, somewhere closer to her limits and then let her go, caress her, tell her that she's a good girl or that she makes my cock feel so amazing when she does that, for example, moving into some more sensual dominance, different types of, you know, more what we would call water or, or air types of touches, sensuality, partner engagement, getting in more of a flow with her, synchronizing breathing, kissing, tender touches, right? So moving from the extremes to the sensitive uh, aspects and then taking it through these different peaks and troughs, this is going to be an ideal combination, right? So you don't want to be the completely safe, predictable, boring, vanilla lover that will only ever do slow lovemaking. And you also don't want to be the harsh authoritarian who thinks that being dominant means just thrashing a woman and throwing her around. You want to understand the blend of these two elements because then you can take her on a magical journey. And finally, the fifth mistake is not objectifying your lover. All right, so this is a situation similar perhaps to the previous one where you have a nicer guy who respects his woman, he loves her, you know, she's his queen, that's awesome. But he interprets that to mean that he should be so respectful of her that she's not treated like a sex object. Now, the caveat here is I'm not saying that on the street you should walk down the street and uh, wolf whistle at girls and ogle them and leer at their breasts and make it really obvious that you're itemizing bits of her like they're cuts of meat. Okay, this, of course, is completely disrespectful. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a situation where a woman has chosen to be with you sexually. She's turned on by you. She's aroused. She wants this experience to happen. Now, my question to you is, do you think she wants to be a sex object during this experience? Or do you think she wants to be Cindy, who's 24, who goes to uni, who has a part-time job, who has a dog, who has these fears and worries and idiosyncrasies and blah, 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 right? No. When we're in the sexual act, both of us should become sex objects. And we're not inanimate. We're animate, organic, emotional, feeling objects. But in that time, it really is all about sex. So you should feel free to objectify her in a really positive way during this experience. So what that means and looks like is that I let her know that different aspects of her body, her breasts, her butt, her stomach, her face, the, the way she looks when she's in certain postures and poses, so on, that you find this really sexy and that it turns you on, right? So, you know, going up behind your lover, running your hand up her stomach and squeezing her breasts and saying, I fucking love your tits, right? Is objectifying, right? Telling her, turn around, stick that ass out, shake it for me. Ooh, such a perfect little peach, right? So in that circumstance, I'm only talking about her butt, right? I'm getting her to turn around, present it for me. I'm not like, you know, looking at her face and taking little glances down to like steal a look at it. It's like she takes her top off 
And even if I've seen these breasts before, I let her know, oh, give me those yummy butternut cookies or whatever it is that you might call them, right? Or it's just clear in the way that you're ravenous for them. You grab the breast and you suck on them and bite them and, uh, you know, give noises of pleasure. I am objectifying her breasts in this moment, right? When I'm telling her to turn around and shake her ass for me, it's all about her butt. And this is not disrespectful at all. Again, it would be totally disrespectful and rude to do with a stranger on the street, but in this context, no, it's erotic because I'm showing her, you are a piece of meat, you're my meat. All these different cuts here, they're perfect. I love them. This one particular, I like this about this, I like this about this aspect. You know, when I go down to lick her pussy and I tell her, your pussy tastes like honey, yeah, or I love your pussy, or spread, spread your lips open, I want to look at you. Oh yeah, that's it. And I jerk off watching her fingering herself, for example. I'm objectifying her, absolutely. And hopefully, so is she to me, right? Hopefully she's looking at me and going, give me that meat and give me that cock, right? That she's looking down and trying to see it go in, right? Because she also wants to experience you as a sex object in this moment. She doesn't want to think about, okay, that's my boyfriend who's whatever age and has a job and has these kind of issues and, you know, has these bad habits and, uh, you know, sometimes farts and whatever. She doesn't want to think about all that, all the other aspects of you as a human. Not right now, anyway. She wants to experience you as the wild sexual creature that you can be in that moment. So understand that not only is it not disrespectful to objectify a woman in bed, it is hugely erotic for her, right? It shows her that you are turned on by her. And if you are turned on by her in particular aspects of her, that means she's really sexy. That lifts her self-esteem, makes her feel good about her body, makes her want to, you know, be more open, want to do things with a light on, to put on sexy lingerie, to get in all sorts of erotic postures and poses and experiences with you because she feels sexier as she does those because you keep on encouraging her and letting her know how much it is that she's turning you on. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.